This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. My name is Brian Doak. I'm a professor and biblical scholar. And if we have to explain all the Christian denominations to the aliens, they're going to totally say, yeah, it's all Christianity. Bye. (laughs) My name is Leah Payne. I'm a historian, author, professor, and my favorite Baptist jokes are always about dancing. Oh, I know one right now. Okay. (laughs) Today at the Weird Religion News Desk, we're talking about the scandalous 2021 meeting of the nation's largest Protestant denomination. The Southern Baptist. Technically not a denomination. What? Isn't it? Well, sort of. Baptists get really particular about those kind of things. I'm already learning things. Join us. (laughs) Join us. Okay, so usually on the news desk segment, and this is, by the way, this is officially a news desk yes, segment. It just is. so you know. Big news. Big, big news. news. But okay, so it, in, in the news desk format, we trade stories back and forth. And mm-hmm. that's, that's. We try and wow each other. Try to wow each other. And certainly that's the more lively version. But this is like a deep dive. I wonder. Uh, okay, so here's my pitch to you. Yes. I want to focus on just one story. Let's and, do that. And I want to interview you about the story because this is something like I can peer into this, but as a non-scholar of American history and religion, I can't really, I feel like I look at this and I'm just like, oh, geez. But I, I know I know you've been following this. And namely, it's the story about the Southern Baptists. <gasps> Big story over the last week. Yeah. It's true. They had it's their true. major kind of like, do they? is it a yearly meeting? Bi-yearly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, multi? Their, their convention. Once in a generation <laughs> kind of convention. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like some of their past ones haven't gotten quite the press. This no, one has gotten. No, no, no. This one. And I wondered if I could sort of like, I don't know, interview you about it and then provide like snarky side commentary. Oh, please if I can do. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Baptists really like the Bible. So I feel like okay. you're going to come in here. Your expertise will come in handy. Baptists, recruit me to talk about the Bible or something. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. Baptists wouldn't like me. Uh, that much. <laughs> you're not um, really Baptist in your. In okay. Your person. Well, I don't even know. I mean, maybe, maybe I am. Here, okay. Here's my first question. Mm-hmm. What is a Baptist? Like who, who are like, where did Baptists kind of get their start? That is a really great question. And I think for most historians will argue that in the U.S., Mm -hmm. the beginning of the Baptists um, comes from this this guy named... um, Joe Baptist? (laughs) No. His name was Roger Williams. Um, He was a minister and he also was... Um, the founder of the colony of Rhode Island. Interesting, oh, really? fun fact. Okay. And yeah, and um, actually one of our previous guests, Dr. James Bird, has written a book about Roger Williams. And oh, he's really? known for, um, he, he was a Baptist and also known for being a really staunch proponent of things like religious liberty. Okay. Um, because back in those days, back in the 18th century, yep. um, uh, I mean, 17th century, sorry, when you got kicked out of the Puritan colonies, it was mm-hmm. essentially a death sentence. Um, and there why, are, why was it a death sentence? Because life was brutal and hard. In, oh, and you just don't want to go it alone. You the English yeah. Puritans were completely unprepared for the difficulties of, of living in in their colonial context. And so um, when people like uh, famously Anne Hutchinson w- were kicked out of the colonies, they needed some place to go. Um, a person like Roger Williams was um, 
a proponent of basically your living according to your conscience, um, your religious liberty, um, according to your conscience. So Baptists, um, uh, I mean, there, there are like historians, you make a living arguing about the origins of many things, but he's (laughs) usually thought of as kind of the original Baptist. So he's like, Hey, come to Rhode Island y'all and you can be a free person or something. Yeah. Or I'm doing this freedom thing. Yeah. So right, right away. It's all about freedom. It's quintessentially American. Yeah. Um, his, his church that he started is called the first Baptist church in America. Oh, uh, and there yeah. are a lot of, a lot yeah. of Baptist churches today are called first Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. There's like first Baptist, second Baptist. Second if Baptist. you're in a really church area. I've never heard of a third Baptist. Well, I'm sure there's got to be some. There's got to be some, I like, wonder. where the Southern Baptists had their convention this year in Nashville, Tennessee. There are Many. a bazillion Baptists. Well, while you are talking later, I will Google Third Baptist. Yeah. I'll, I'll provide an update on that. I'm sure. Please, please. Okay, so okay, so you've got you've got the founding, and you've got this guy, mm-hmm. Joe Baptist, I think you said his yeah, name Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? I like where did this go in American history? Like did they be they they must have become a pretty big deal at some point? Like how did that happen? Yeah, well, there's a really great historian, a guy named Doug Weaver, who has written um a lot on the Baptists. He's at Baylor University. And and Doug Weaver argues that Baptists eventually, like in the in the 20th century, became the ascent of the Baptists is they became the major form of American Protestantism. Okay. And but the interesting thing about the Baptists is that um and if you'll meet a Baptist, they can attest to this. There mm-hmm. are a million different kinds of Baptists, almost as many as I don't know, as, as people who say they're Baptists. There um so this emphasis on liberty and conscience has meant that Baptists have uh, fractured a lot, right. and there are a lot of different forms of American D- Protestants, and that's in their DNA. Yeah. Like yeah. they're all about that. They like the freedom. So the idea is, hey, it's built in. Like if you're gonna mm-hmm. go, if you're gonna go join, you know, the Rhode Island group for freedom, then maybe <laughs> you're gonna want to do that in your own church, even. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of different um, uh, forms of of Baptists, and uh, and and like many forms of Protestantism in the U.S., they're divided according to racial lines, according to social. Uh, location according to theological distinctions. There are many, many different reasons why people divide. Um, the Southern Baptists that that we're talking about this week, they um, divided in, or they they um, became Southern Baptists in I think it was 1845 in the years leading up to the Civil War, and their distinguishing factor was that they were white Baptists who were very against the abolition of slavery, located in the South. So Why why were they doing that? Why were they doing that? Right, yeah. Why were they doing that? Well, (laughs) there's a book, a recent book called White Evangelical Racism by Anthea Butler, who explores um, a lot of, uh, yeah, yeah, I highly recommend. But yeah, so so the Southern Baptist Convention exists. Because they should have been like, freedom. Well, you'd think, you'd but think, they, they yeah, were. a lot of other people, uh, but okay. Now this is now when many people hear the word Baptist, they think conservatives. Mm-hmm. And so is this, I, I, were they always kind of like that? I mean, I know that the a label like conservative maybe doesn't have a lot of trans historical meaning, but like, is like, in other words, Flash forward, I have yes. some sense that this debate that's going on now is about kind of like a conservative versus a progressive wing. Like, is that conservative? 
I don't know, like ethos or mentality or value system. Is that, do you think that that's like part of the DNA of what it means to be a Baptist? Was it? Oh, oh, I see. You know, like did did it have to be that way? Well, there are a lot of really progressive Baptists out there. Mm. Um, And, um, and there are, so the Southern Baptists are the largest Protestant denomination Mm -hmm. um, or gathering or conference or convention um, uh, in the nation. So there, they have been the major one, but there are many, many, as I mentioned, there's lots of different kinds of Baptists. And some of those Baptists exist because um, at least in the white Baptist world, some of those Baptists exist because they broke away from the Southern Baptist. From the other white Baptists. Yeah. So, so uh, I think I saw a reporter and I got to find this tweet that basically said um, something like, this is not a liberal conservative divide. This is a conservative and very, very conservative divide in the Southern Baptist because <laughs> in the in the 80s and 90s, there's something called, uh, I've heard it called the Southern ba- or the conservative takeover of the Southern Baptist Party, wherein Southern Baptists became almost universally aligned with the Republican Party because prior to that, the most famous Southern Baptist mm. was actually a Democrat, Jimmy Carter. Oh, I see. Who still to this day teaches Sunday school in a Baptist um, church. But prior to that, there was not a, 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 a it was not as aligned with what we would call the religious right. I but see. it has been for decades now, mm-hmm. primarily uh, a, a, a group that has operated that way. And this is an even more conservative, <laughs> you know, argument, well, uh, you I know, think is one way to look at it. On your comment about, you know, white groups, white, white people breaking away from other white people. As a white person, I can attest to that, that feeling. It's almost like a spirit that comes over you that just says, <laughs> get me away from these white people. You know, <laughs> you does, it does come up in the soul. Now, the other thing I want to say, by the way, I've been Googling, mm-hmm. not only are there, th- is, as the, so there's like first Baptist church, second, is there a third? Oh yes. Are How there many? Fo- are there How fourth many? Baptists? How many? Does it go to sixth? What? Does it go to seventh? It does. Does it go to eighth? What? Correct. I didn't. You know what? I didn't even try ninth. I can't even bring myself to do it. I just want to know, like, where are these places? Dallas, Texas, San Francisco was like a third really? or a fourth. New Orleans, they were all over the place. Some of them are are about streets, though. Like, I was getting hits, like when I did Eighth Baptist Church, it was like Eighth Street. Oh, Baptist on Eighth so Street. I yeah. wonder, is there like mm-hmm. a tenth? I don't think so. But you know, I'm gonna say, well, I guess we'll never know. It could be. It could be <laughs> in in very Baptist. I don't even want to look. Someplace um, in Georgia, maybe. Okay, like here's what I want to ask you. And I mean, this this requires you know maybe less of the historian's hat and more of the interpreter's hat, like. What, what do Baptists, well, but also histor- history, mm-hmm. what do Baptists really believe and do? And I want to say both believe and do, because I know there's always a tendency to talk about belief in the American religious landscape. Like, what mm-hmm. do people say, you know, b- believe, as opposed to, like, what they actually do also. What do they believe and do that is special? The quintessential Baptist yeah, like, thing. Yeah, like, what makes them special in the landscape of American religion, do you think? Oh, wow. Okay, so I should say that I'm not a specialist on Baptists, um, although... You know, Doug Weaver, I have a friend, Eileen Campbell-Reed, mm. um, Joao Chavez, Andrew C. Smith, and also James Bird. These people could give you better. A quick five-person shout-out list. Yeah. Then. I actually, I was I was thinking about it because when you said we should talk about this, I was like, oh, who are the Baptists that I know? I yeah. know a lot of them. Um, so other people could probably answer this with more nuance. But I think that um, 
one of the things that makes Baptist distinct is in the name itself. They emphasize what's called believer's baptism, baptism. which is like baptizing people when they're old enough to make mm-hmm. a conscious decision to do that. It's so specifically, that's very important. it's very anti-infant baptism too. I bet a lot of Baptists Hardcore, are like, yeah. and, and in that sense, wouldn't you say it's like, it's anti-Catholic. Very. It's, but there are other groups that, that baptize infants as well. Some Protestants like um, Episcopalians and Anglicans, right. Pres- Pres- Presbyterians. Mm-hmm do infant baptism so it's but it's really it, it feels to me just side comment that it's really an anti-catholic kind of thing like baptists and catholics that's not a that's sure not a happy they're, they're thing. typically kind of on opposite ends of a spectrum on on a number of things um and so the the act of being baptized and also um i think baptists themselves would say that some of their hallmarks are things like religious liberty slash religious freedom mm-hmm. uh, um emphasizing democracy so traditionally, I don't know if you, I, I actually live streamed a lot of the Southern Baptist Convention because I was oh, curious because it's major news in my field, what's happening in the, in the largest Protestant denomination. Anyone's going to be paying attention to that. And what's fascinating is they do something that we do not do at the Quaker institution where you and I work. Mm-hmm. They vote on oh, everything. It's a power thing. You got to vote. They who's they in, vote who's in charge? and it's fascinating to watch because we we work in an institution where there's lots of consensus building so and that has its own quirks but sure. watching they 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 adhere to Robert's rules of order mm-hmm. which is fascinating to watch happening. So there's a lot of emphasis on the agency of the individual messenger in in the Southern Baptist Convention. So right. when they they get all together, they have these really complex rules for how they do it, but there's tons of voting that happens. So some have argued that Baptists are so thoroughly American, like you can't you can't distinguish what it means to be a Baptist from this sort of enlightenment model of personhood and democracy. Oh, and I see. So it's really interesting to watch, yep. you know, um, the, the, the watch the inner workings of this particular crew. And Baptists are going to be into things that are also broadly considered evangelical practices, like yes. say like conversion by praying a sinner's prayer, mm-hmm. come down to the mm-hmm. altar and pray the prayer. Billy Graham was a Baptist, right? He was a Southern Baptist. Southern yeah. Baptist. So I, I should have said, I probably misspoke. Jimmy Carter is probably not the most famous Southern Baptist. Billy Graham. Probably Billy Graham. We'll call it a tie. Right. They're, they both they both had international name recognition. Yes. And and the ascent. I, I've heard some Baptist watchers, again, I'm not the world's <laughs> biggest expert on Baptist, but yeah. talk about what's happening in the Southern Baptist Convention is in some ways what's happening in the wider white evangelical uh. world, which is fracturing over oh. cultural differences over mm-hmm. um positions on race and racism yep. women yep. abuse okay it politics yep. so it's fascinating so i think one of the reasons why people were watching and myself included is because we're watching something that's happening in a, all over yes the, the nation. I don't know. How was it for you? Because oh. I was texting you about oh, it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was I was taking on the barrage. But this is a perfect transition. Now, now we got to get to this convention. We got to set the stage for this. Okay. Setting the stage for this convention. What does it mean? Who are the key players? I want to say two words. <sighs> your response. Beth Moore. Oh, care there were to, two more. Care to comment. Two more. Two more. Yes. Beth Moore and Russell Moore. Two oh. of the highest profile Southern Moore. Baptists. Okay. talk. Use these two as like 
Whoa. foundational figures, kind of like the Adam and Eve, let's say, of the Garden <laughs> of Eden that is the SBC. What happened? They're not well, married, by the way. But. They aren't. And people often assume that. I've seen that yeah. on social media. Oh, that's they funny. They joke about it like, your yeah. husband, Russell. Um, <laughs> but they they certainly know each other. It's got to be a small world when you get into those upper echelons of leadership. When you're up that high, very yeah. few friends. Yeah. So Beth Moore is, uh, is one of the most well-known Christian Bible teacher types. Mm-hmm. And she uh, recently stepped down from her role as a Southern Baptist for a while. She was, she quit probably everybody's favorite Southern Baptist. She no longer considers herself Southern Baptist. Now she, now you know how I recognize that name just being in various churches throughout the years, you would often see maybe sitting on a, you know, a table somewhere or, or, you know, your church's book, book section or library. You would see kind of like Bible studies books by Beth Moore. Oh, yes. But in fact, they were a very particular kind of Bible study, though. They were Bible studies for women. Well, you know, I want to ask you, have you seen one of them? Because you're a Bible scholar. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? I thought they were fine. I thought they were just normal kind of, it was just normal, you know, kind of stuff. Is the kind of stuff that, you know, it wasn't probably like glittering with the greatest insights of scholarship of all time, but that's not what those are for. Mm -hmm. They're for leading people. It's typically, for those of you not in church-going cultures, you would have a program, kind of like a Christian education program, and you're like, wait, isn't that what church is? Well, no. Sometimes churches will have something traditionally called Sunday school. Like, Mm -hmm. you come early. Not only do you go to church, you come to church early, like two hours, (laughs) right? and you maybe have like a workbook, and you have a leader, like a facilitator, and if you're in a women's group, in a group that segregates men and women for the education time, which some churches have, mm-hmm. you would use Beth Moore's book for the ladies in particular. What's fascinating about Beth Moore, and I'm fascinated by her, is that she transcended. And this is this is the interesting thing. It's the thing that got Anne Hutchinson kicked out of the Puritan colonies. Oh, taken aback. It's when the men start listening to the women or to a woman and so the thing about beth moore is she was so big Mm -hmm. that there were men who were using her her bible studies and it she was so much bigger than the southern baptist yeah i mean they're protestant probably predominantly white but not exclusively um christians around the nation Mm -hmm. were and and i assume abroad were doing her bible studies Mm So she became, I'm so fascinated by the relationship between celebrity authority and uh, institutional yes. authority a in this country. Yeah. And so she, her, her celebrity made her a major figure in the Southern Baptist Convention, even though she could not be a pastor. And why would she not be able to be a they pastor? They do not ordain women. Okay, so yeah. this is a big deal, like with the Baptists and the gender thing. It's mm-hmm. like you can only be a pastor. Now, there's some there's some nuance here with some of these groups. Like sometimes maybe someone wouldn't understand. They'd be like, oh, yeah, so women are just like sitting and wearing, you know, uh, kind of like old 17th century cloaks and they can't speak in church at all. They <laughs> right. can't even do the announcements or whatever. But a lot of these churches will actually have women in leadership roles. Yeah, oh, sure, and in sure. even speaking, sometimes there are churches that don't ordain women that will even have women preaching. That's exactly It's true. just that they reserve the role of like this ordination, this very formal head of the church for a male. So Beth Moore was somebody who was clearly a speaker and a teacher. Mm-hmm. I didn't know even that her Bible studies had really bled over into men using them. I could yeah. see those cultures as being ones in which that would be rare, I would just think. Yeah, that. yeah. I, I, what I think is fascinating is on the one hand, Beth Moore and her position 
shows the restrictions around women, Mm -hmm. but then also the loopholes and the creativity Mm -hmm. that exist Mm -hmm. in, in some of those very institutions that really restrict the roles of women because she was a Southern Baptist for decades. And I can't imagine how painful it must've been for her to step away from that community, but she did because um, around the time of the, the early Trump years or maybe right during his his campaign, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she basically became a very vocal opponent of specifically the abuse of women in um, the public sphere and in churches, and then also um, a a like an anti racist voice, right. and that. I don't know. I follow her on Twitter as many, many people do. And it's fascinating to watch the kind of blowback she got Wow! for. She's still super evangelical, okay. like very traditional in a lot of ways. <sighs> but her stances on that got yeah. her a ton of pushback. Let me make a hot take on Beth Moore mm-hmm. that, and allow me the freedom, Please. a listener, to not, that this doesn't have to be my own opinion or criticism. I just want to hear how you'd respond to something like this. What if someone said, Beth Moore is a great example of somebody who helped create a severely gender biased system, participated in it, benefited from it. And when she felt then that that system had a glass ceiling for her, which of course it did, she helped create that Mm. by participating in it. Now she doesn't like it. And now she leaves in a huff because now she couldn't get what she wanted. I'm sure people have said that. I've never heard anyone say that. It just strikes me like, Okay, she did create a lot of this like very gendered kind of stuff. Well, I would just she, say that. So she did that, right? It pre preceded her by so far. No, she didn't that, invent it. She right. didn't invent it. Um, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm sure people could say that that there's a a style of of her work that capitalized on a certain brand of femininity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and but the thing about that's interesting about Beth Moore is. She herself has, and I, I should probably go and look up the, the to, to quote her directly, but she has apologized for participating in oh, that. Oh, really? Yes. And and I'll find it here. I think it yeah, would be worth it. In fact, finding. if you Google, if you go, like, Beth Moore apologizes for supporting complementarianism, Washington Post. Yeah. Uh, 2021. This was in April. Yeah. So, so complementarianism. All this is very hot news. Yeah. Complementarianism yeah. is the view that men and women are, like, equals, but they have, like, these different roles, which includes women not being in leadership, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. So it says um, she's kind of gotten into the Me Too movement. I'm reading from the Washington mm-hmm. Post. Moore has acknowledged she, too, was sexually abused. Yes. Um so uh, she says, I beg your forgiveness where I was complicit. Wow. So for the folks who say that. No, I feel she, terrible for bringing up that hypothetical idea, which I didn't even know that she said that. Isn't I, that fascinating? So she's yeah. a really fascinating figure. But she's saying, yes, she, I did that. She's I, done like the traditional Baptist thing. She has had a conversion experience, wow. you know, away from one way of thinking toward wow. Another way. So when she left, it was major news because she was their woman. And in many mm-hmm. ways, like from a gender analysis perspective, she was held up as the ideal woman. Yep. She's very beautiful, according to really traditional Western standards, blonde, mm-hmm. petite, um, very charismatic, dedicated to her family. She mm-hmm. has these beautiful, she has these sweet posts that she does about cooking for her husband, you know, uh-huh. fulfilling, checking all of these. Right really traditional maternal feminine 
roles and also was regularly teaching the Bible. Right. And and so when she left, I you know, there were a lot of follow-up pieces about women Southern Baptists who were considering following her. And it'll be fascinating to see if they do. Okay, I'm, I'm just and I'm going down a Google rabbit hole. I'm, gonna, more, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a wall for. I mean, there's just so much associated with her leaked audio and this and that and five sins Beth Moore is guilty of and oh, she's yeah. taking on the patriarchy. Her departure could hurt Southern Baptists. God uses your mistakes. Beth Moore apologizes. Beth Moore, me too. You know, just like there's wow. so much. I'm suddenly there. like wondering, like, what is it like to be Beth Moore? Okay, but what about this other Moore, Russell Moore? Russell Moore. What's, oh wh- man, what's what's his deal? This is you know what's so fun about this. I don't know if you feel like this, but when I when I study movements, I like to study them as having a kind of or a kind of personality to sure, them. Sure. So, charismatics have their own kind of way of looking at things, oh, and yeah. Lutherans have their own way of being. And then Baptists have their own way of being, and they're known for being a little ornery and contentious mm-hmm. with each other. They write a lot of missives yeah. to each other. A lot of blogging. <laughs> oh, yeah. <A> lot <laughs> all of, the reformed. A lot of repeating the 95 like reform theses Baptists. on the internet. Yeah, they're all Martin Luther. They in nailed their minds. them to the door of the internet. <laughs> of the internet. Yeah. So, but Russell Moore, to, in a nutshell, was the chair of their ethics, let's see, ethics leadership something, EL. You could probably Google it, and I'm going to mess it up. Yeah. But basically, like the head of the Southern Baptist Ethics Wing, and yeah. he was a staunch opponent of Donald Trump for ultra traditional conservative Baptisty reasons. Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Ethics and Reli- see Religious Liberty. There it is again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, he was the uh, he led that for a long time. He very recently, just like in the last several days, stepped down from that, and also no longer goes to a Southern Baptist church and wrote this oh. letter to the Southern Baptist Executive Leadership Committee, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And somebody leaked it. Leaked letters. And he made a really bombshell I read, comments. I read Did a lot read of the letter. It's really long. And very well written. It is. Some of it seems like he's saying, look, I'm leaving you guys. It's not because of Trump. It's not. That's what he said. That was the most fascinating thing. Although people probably want him to leave because of his oh, Trump sure. resistance. Oh, sure. I'm sure they weren't super He says it's that. because, well, tell us, why does he say he's leaving? In two words, sexism, racism. And um, the sexism involves just like the rejection of people like Beth Moore or just no. the overall well, culture actually, of no, it? No, well, actually, I should have said it's it's not two words. Okay, I'll say it again. Racism and the failure of the Southern Baptist Convention to adequately address a sexual abuse scandal. Which which sounded like it turned into a sexist thing because basically when maybe women were reporting. Well, and it had to do with the what I mean, I, it gets into the denominational politics, but it had to do with the way the executive leadership committee was squashing the attempts of the ethics committee, I think is what they're, oh. to um, 
what Russell Moore felt that they were not adequately investigating and not transparently right. sharing their results with I the see. body. And this kind of comes back to the Baptist orientation about democracy and stuff. So that that is fascinating. Um, and he he felt, I mean, I can't imagine what was going through both of these figures' minds because they were seen at least publicly as the ultimate Southern Baptists and now they have stepped down. What does that mean? Oh, it's, it's so, well, you know, I can't help but wonder, like, I'm not questioning Russell Moore's integrity. I don't know the man. I, I haven't studied enough on this, mm -hmm. but it's like, this like Trump political thing sounds like if he's saying it's not about Trump, it's like, yeah, but for them, I think it's going to be like almost everything is going to come down to like this. Maybe not exactly that, but it's going to come down to these big political dynamics. Like who is our base? Mm -hmm. Whom are we protecting? Mm -hmm. Who, you know, who is important in this group? And yes, that has all of these, um, these tentacles, you know, like, and by the way, like some, it, it seemed to me, tell me if I'm incorrect about this or correct, that some of the, the more explosive charges about sexual abuse had to do with maybe there were some bigger notable churches where this stuff was going mm -hmm. on. So it wasn't like they were just collecting data from all over and, you know, terrible things happen everywhere. Terrible things happen in churches. It's not, you know, churches are no different, but it was about like prominent places whose behavior maybe was being swept under the rug precisely because they were powerful and that was happening. Yeah. I think that one of the things that is fascinating about, so uh, as you said about Beth Moore, other responses to Russell Moore leaving have been, listen, you embrace this form of patriarchal evangelicalism and this is what you get. Why are you surprised right. that all of these abuses are happening? Because I think that, that the response um, that they, that many have, have given, and there's an article about this, I should find it basically says, listen, you want to make a distinction between patriarchy and this complementarian vision of the world and mm -hmm. the abuse stuff. And mm -hmm. we're saying that this form of gender relations creates the very abuse. So you yes. shouldn't be surprised. That's been a response right. to, to Russell Moore. What is, fa I, I'm, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, It'll be interesting to see what the people themselves do, what Southern Baptists themselves do. Because right. how many people did he represent? How many people do his opponents represent? Right. I don't think anyone's actually sure. Uh, okay. So this takes us to the stunning culmination. Mm -hmm. Very recently, there were, as you mentioned, some votes. There was voting. And I'm reading mm -hmm. from the New York Times here. Oh. Um, Is this Ruth Graham? She had really good coverage well, of this. Yeah. This was published um, um, just, just recently. Okay. Um, oh, yes, this is our friend, Ruth Graham. I wish we could call her a friend of the show. we got to reach out to Ruth Graham. Yeah, we Ruth should have Graham, her on. We love your work. You're our person. <laughs> um, Southern Baptist vote signals further fractures in American evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just reading from the headline and the, the subheadline. The establishment narrowly headed off a takeover attempt by a hard right movement. Some backers of the losing candidate are now considering leaving altogether. So... What what did they exactly vote on? Like what like what was the vote about? Who lost? Who won? And what's the upshot of it? Oh, that vote the vote that that she is talking about in that article is I think that when they elected their next leader. Mm -hmm. So there were two candidates. One was seen as a moderate, but Lytton was the moderate. Yeah, and and we should say 
a very conservative person who yes. in this case, because the other end of the spectrum is so far. I've got a quote from Mr. Litton. <laughs> oh, quote, please. I'm a conservative, but I'm not angry about it. Unquote. Right. Okay. That, so that's, that's fun. Yeah. That's that probably, I, I think that probably sums up the vibe that he puts out. Um, and the other candidate stone, Mike stone, Mike stone was a very hard, right. I think, I don't know him, his public voice that well, but probably very into Christian nationalism, traditional fundamentalist ideas about mm -hmm. the scripture and the world. And, and so the headline I think says it well, which is this is, does this probably signals a further fracturing of an already fracturous, fractious, fractious. form of American religion. Right which is evangelicalism because it's like a really conservative white denomination is now fighting about how much more conservative it should be. And you know what I'm interested in? I want to hear this as a Bible scholar to ask you your, your thoughts. I'm always interested in, in the role that holiness plays in a community. Mm. So there are the people who say we ought to stay together and work it out. And then there are the people who ought to say, who say we can't be around this. We need to leave. Right. And to opposing yeah. What do you think? Forces. I mean, comment on that as a Bible scholar. Well, you know, I, my, my mind immediately goes to the Exodus story and in the wilderness. And this is a moment when God's need for holiness is on display um, big time because of the 600,000 plus people, mm -hmm. uh, traditionally mm -hmm. counted at least, who come out of the Exodus, exactly 100% of them are, uh, well, I should say like 99.9% .9 are, are, are killed in the wilderness or really all of them. I mean, Joshua and Caleb are these who are allowed to go in, but mm -hmm. I can't remember whether they're born, you know, whether they're first generation or second, but you know, it's holiness. You can't, I'm not going to be around these people, mm. but it's kind of like another generation gets to go in. And at times, you know, God is going to wipe out the whole group, but then he's just going to be like, well, I'm not going to wipe you all out because Moses intervened, but I wanted to. <laughs> and so even right there in the deity, you see played out from the, from the very origin story of Israel, mm. this, this very, thing that you point out and yeah you could you could read that dynamic that you point out which is like a i mean that right there is that you can see that dynamic in families in relationships you could analyze your life on that basis mm -hmm. think about your own life on like on on this on those two lines like how much do i need to be away from other people because they're not reflecting my values or i just i don't want to be tainted by association with them on the one hand and then how much am I willing to just like stay around stuff that maybe defiles me or, and just work it out? And yes, it might hurt me, but I'm getting a benefit out of it too. That's, that's a serious thing to think about just psychologically, right? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about is there are two books in my field that have argued that the organizing principle of evangelicalism is a, a form of values. So Kristen Cobes Dume wrote a book about called Jesus and John Wayne that argues that one of the central organizing principles around a certain branch of evangelicalism is a militant form of masculinity. Mm. So it's not necessarily theological unless it's you just unless you count that as theological, but it's this value of a certain form of masculinity. Mm -hmm. And Thea Butler has argued in white evangelical racism, well it's in the title, <laughs> that racism is the thing <laughs> that has held these groups together and and indeed the southern baptist convention was about the many of the biggest arguments were about racism and sexism it seems to back up 
what's happening in this denomination seems to, you could interpret it as supporting their theses. And so I wonder what's, what's going to be happening in the future. What happens three conventions from now? Right. Will we be having these same conversations? I don't know. Take out your crystal ball for a minute. Like what, what, what do you think is the future for a group like this? Like it'd be pretty safe to say, I'll, I'll pitch you a softball and mm. say, wouldn't it be pretty safe to say this group is going to fracture? They'll just fracture again and again. And that's, that's their past and that's their future. Well, I think I, I tend to think that the past is the predictor of the future, the best predictor that we have. And yes, I would, pr- I would say that there will just be new forms. I have friends who were raised Southern Baptist, but then became this other form of Baptist called cooperative Baptists oh, who are, sounds kind of nice. Yeah. Who are not, who are who, most of whom, uh, come from this Southern Baptist tradition, but formed new forms of Baptists, baptisms, I don't know, um, <laughs> that, that, you know, formed new forms of, of being Baptist because they were either disfellowshipped or they took themselves out of the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. So we already know it's happened in the past. I would not be surprised at all if if there are congregations that break away as a result of this election mm-hmm. or if they are um or or if we see like new forms emerge down the road um because that's just it's kind of in their nature we know one thing about nature it's just gonna have its way <laughs> that's ominous right <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. Keep it weird, everyone. 24-7-365. Every day for extras <laughs> on subjects covered in this episode and other related jokes. Don't forget to follow us on the socials and visit our website, weirdreligion.com. We're doing our own production these days with some musical stylings by our very own Brian Doak, but our official theme music is still by Cassie Blum. And our album artwork is by John Williams. When you podcast, podcast with us. That's everything. <laughs>